welcome back to the Grace and the Adventure of Leadership podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Sovereign Grace Churches Australia. We are a highly relational denomination with a passion to see planters trained, pastors cared for, and enduring churches built all across Australia. And our hope for this podcast is to help cultivate church leadership, which is fueled and formed by the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm Riley Spring, and I'm here with Dave Taylor, and we're local pastors with Sovereign Grace. And we've been talking in this last season about seven traits or seven characteristics of a gospel-centered leader. And we've, we've begun not with what we do, but who we are, because we believe that's actually where the Bible begins with leadership. It's, all, it's a character profession. Uh, and so we've been talking about joy and humility and godliness and generosity uh, and now, today, we're going to be talking about our, our words, and we're going to be talking about the value of encouragement. Uh, but before we get there, Dave, how are you doing? And why don't you give us an update on you know, how you experienced encouragement in Sovereign Grace um, when you first joined? Good. Thanks for asking, Rob. Well, I'm good, alive and well. As we are recording, we're in the season of COVID still, which has lasted since about 1983, I think, something very yeah, long. Yeah, that term that we like to use, a season, is, yeah, is season. We're, it's we're very really loose. extending loose. that yeah, concept very to the loose. years. Yeah, yeah we it's a long season. season. But it's doing okay. Yeah. Enjoying a bit of extra time with the family at the moment during right. lockdown, not traveling anywhere. So definitely uh, at home. Just enjoying family time and time to get stuff done. Look, I've been on the receiving end of encouragement in wonderful ways in the Lord's kindness. You know, I, obviously I grew up in the United Kingdom, mm-hmm. so I wouldn't say encouragement <laughs> was one of our fortes. The whinging palm yeah. is a, kind of a real phenomena. But when you live in it, you don't even realize it's particularly like that. You just think that's normal. And so you'd watch EastEnders and Coronation Street, all these soaps that are super negative but you just think that's the way everybody speaks. Well, and when the weather's like yeah, it well, is in England. Well, that's right. It's like the, living in Tupperware. It's all yeah, grey. It's, yeah, it's terrible. Exactly. <laughs> it's pretty terrible. I think just before we moved here, it rained sometime in the day for 90 days in a row. Oh, my. Yeah. Well, after yeah, you know, after England uh, have lost the Euro, oh, we yeah. now know that this is going to be another 60 oh. years of whinging. And so oh, at least. it's not very yeah, encouraging. We'll probably get to the final again. And know, lose. 2,102. <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. My grandkids might see it. We've got uh, penalties again. Can you believe it? But yeah, look, I've been on the on the end of much encouragement. Growing up in the UK, um, obviously my parents encouraged me and, 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 and so on and so forth. But generally encouragement, I wouldn't say as much of a cultural value. And then when we started to interact with folk in the States, Sovereign Grace guys, mm. um, there was a lot of encouragement going on. And the instant reaction from a whinging pom is... Oh my goodness, they are so American. We just thought of it as Americanisms. Cheese. Oh, big cheese. Yeah, very big cheese. So they would, you know, outdo each other with, with honoring. There was a lot of honoring, and you're like, man, this is so cheesy, potentially fake. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't, I, I sort of liked it, but didn't like it at the same time. I liked a little bit of it, and then mm. I wanted to, uh, to leave. <laughs> <laughs> it would just seem very, very, very strange. But it was more as I went behind the scenes in that, and eventually as you get to know them, you're like, hey, you guys are so encouraging. Mm. You know, my assumption is it's because you're American, you're all like it. And slowly but surely, they take you to the Bible. And, it, and in particular, Ephesians 4, verse 29, that yeah. spoke to me massively, where Paul says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, 
that it may give grace to those who hear. Mm-hmm. And I was really reframed in my thinking on pastoral ministry and the quality of encouragement in part by that verse, by that those words from the Word of God right there. Yeah. And realizing it doesn't matter whether you're British or Australian or African or American, we are called by God to ensure that the words that come out of our mouth, I think Time Magazine says there's about 25,000 words a day that come out of our mouths. Mm. And so our job is to use those 25,000 words mm. to ensure that they're not filled with any corrupting talk, but they, they build up as fits the occasion that we may give grace to those who are here. Very challenged by that, provoked by that. My life has been changed by that. Yeah. I'm still seeking to grow in that. And that's a that's a cool point to make about it's not um it's not a cultural thing it's a biblical thing right. because it might be easier for an American to be encouraging because it's yep. more culturally acceptable mm-hmm. than it is for Pommy to do it yep. or, it, or an Australian but that doesn't mean we don't have to do it right We're, and we right. and not even that sense of have to get to and, and one of the things I found yes. um, is experiencing this and learning from this from the Bible and experiencing it in you guys is being like. Oh, this is so beautiful. This is so powerful. I remember though, early on when I joined the church, I was at a, I was leading on a mission with some people and I took some time to encourage the director of the mission, this beautiful lady who's incredible. And I just laid it on with biblical encouragement, her sacrifice, her love, her thing. And her response was like, oh no, don't tell me that you'll make me proud. And it was this kind of fear of like, if you encourage too much, I'll get a big head and and you're like, no, no, I'm not trying to do that, but just, just receive it. This is how God sees right. you. And yep. um, so, you know, if people are a bit skeptical, they think it's a bit cheesy, or it might actually be a bit like, I don't know, hypey, or even a bit dangerous. Might make people proud. Mm. Um, why, why should we make this other than the Bible says so? What, why should we make this such an emphasis of being a gospel-centered leader? Yeah. Well, I actually think it it, it is fundamentally because the bible says so yeah. maybe the bigger question is why, why does the bible say yeah what, what effect does it have because it does have a, a profound effect mm. on people's lives and people's hearts you know it, proverbs 18 verse 21 says death and life are in the power of the tongue mm-hmm. i mean what a massive statement before the lord that our words they can either bring life or they can bring death you know, in the UK growing up, and I'm sure it's the same here as well, that the saying that, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's just so not true. Yeah. And words do an awful lot of damage. And I think now culturally it's different to the world I grew up in because, because of social media in part. So now words are coming over multiple different platforms mm. and to people. And you can do a lot of damage to people. You can ruin people's lives. But at the same time, you can actually bring life through words as mm. well. You know, the church, as Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, is the dearest place on earth. And when you think about it, biblically defined, it is. Together we're a temple, we're a body, we're a bride, we're a family. And one of the things that the Lord has done then is he's given us the gift of speech mm. so that by God's grace we may use our words to actually bring grace to the hearer. So our words, they are so powerful it's such a small thing in our mouths but they can do incredibly great things for the lord or incredible damage to people Mm. Um, and so leadership wise our words are just so important because they have the ability to bring life and if you think about 
who God is. He's a God who speaks. Yeah. Yes. And, and so we should be thinking like he's given us words. We, we could have grunted our way through or pointed our way through mm-hmm. life, but God gave us tongues and, and voice boxes to use to bring life or to bring death. Um, yes. And so it, it's in, embedded in creation and in creational realities that words are powerful. Um, God brings life to the world through word. Christ is called the word, et cetera, et cetera. Amen. Yes. Um, and in James chapter three, of course, uh, he talks about how powerful a word, uh, you know, our words are that, you know, that it's, um, it, you know, it's like a, a bit in a horse's mouth. It yep. controls where the horse goes. It's a, a rudder on a ship. It can move an incredibly large vessel. And it even has this, you know, destructive power, like a spark in, in a fire. Um, and so, yes. What we say aren't just words and, you know, words can never hurt us. They have an incredible effect. I was listening yes. to a podcast late um, about um, uh, KFC recently. and um, <laughs> <laughs> That is the most random I know. Thing. It's called Business Wars. I enjoy it. But anyway, it was talking about Colonel Sanders. Were you at KFC at the time? I wasn't. I can't okay. eat it. I'm gluten-free. Oh, sorry. Um, so sorry about that. But Colonel Sanders, his mum said to him when he was like eight, like, you know, you're never going to amount to anything. And those words were planted in him and just took effect and wow. really affected him and hurt him and never kind of lived out of it, unfortunately, for him, even though he went on to create wow. incredible chicken. Um, so, you know, words have this, yes, have this power. So what does it look like as a leader, as a, you know, empowered by God and given this opportunity, this stewardship, what should our words look like then? Mm-hmm. And what does, you know, what does Ephesians, the rest of the verse kind of teach us on that? Yeah, well, I think I think the verse makes really clear what it what it isn't, what we're not to do with these words, and what we are to do with these words. I just think as a leader, then we've got to understand fundamentally we're going to have a microphone in our hands a lot more mm. than people. Um, and I would say that's not just true when we're public when we do public ministry. It's true when we do private ministry yeah. as well. People are noticing your Facebook posts, then no, noticing the Twitter, then noticing the throwaway comment mm. um, and the way we say it and the tone. People are in some ways studying our lives as well as studying our words, which can be used for great, but it can also be used um, for damage. Mm. It can hurt people. And so when it comes to uh, the leader's speech or the Christian speech, it's clear that, first of all, we've got to ensure that we let no... We let low corrupting talk come out of our mouths. So forbidden talk is corrupting talk. Mm. You know, the word that Paul uses here is the same Greek word that's used to describe food that is spoiled or decayed or, or rotten. Right. Growing up in the, in the country in England, and there's a lot of apple trees. We used to ride our bikes through them. <clears throat> and when apples fall off, when they're on the tree, they're beautiful. And if you pick them off, they'll be really tasty. But when they fall and they rot on the ground, it really is nasty. Right. And what the farmer tends to do is he stacks them all up. But as soon as one goes rotten, you watch them all start to go Mm. rotten really very quickly. It spreads incredibly quickly. And I think what Paul's trying to help us see is corrupting talk, that's what happens. When we use talk Mm. that is angry, angry speech, vulgar speech, lies, gossip, slander. I think any and all speech that is damaging to an individual or to the church what Paul is helping us see it, there should have no place amongst mm. us at all. And look, I think that is, just to be quite honest with you, quite hard 
Because I think it's something that if we're honest, to different degrees, I think we can all have a temptation and a tendency yeah, to, en- to, at different to enjoy a bit of, or to do it. Yeah, that we can participate. I think what we sometimes do maybe is participate in it with a different title. Oh, yes. So I'm not yeah. gossiping, I'm <laughs> yeah. just sharing. Mm. I'm not slandering, I'm just venting. Um, or I'm just talking. You know, just I've got to be honest. Know, or, I need yeah. to be honest. I need to be transparent. Mm. And it sounds so right, and yet biblically it is so wrong. You know, if it is going to damage people in any way, if if me speaking to you about another situation or another person leaves you with a bad impression of them, with no ability to do anything about it mm. or ask them about it, you know, it's just gossip. It's slander, and yeah. it should have no place um, amongst us at all. And not to mention that something. you've got like Aussie culture. It's very crass and very uh, acceptable and almost the way you get in on a conversation is by going to the <laughs> the lowest and talking yeah. in that way and it's really weird to come in and speak encouragingly or positively and it just doesn't gel yeah. and so it's very hard to not participate in corrupting talk yeah. even in Christian circles even in church circles absolutely I mean it, it's interesting isn't it? there's, a, there's a whole verse it says, do everything without complaining. <laughs> and yet, <laughs> not many people, mm. when you get a growth group, will share, hey, can you pray for me? Because I'm just struggling with complaining at the moment. Mm. We don't think, we often think of that as just, it's not really a sin. It's just, it's just us. You know? Just it's being just real. I'm just sharing. Just like, just being yeah. honest. I'm venting. Whereas, no, you're complaining. Mm. And the Bible calls us to do everything uh, without complaining. Mm. So clearly, biblically defined, we're to let no corrupting talk come out of our mouths. Okay. But only, he says, such as is good for building up. So the emphasis here from uh, the Apostle Paul is not to use corrupt speech, but to instead use encouraging speech. Yes. So speech that strengthens, that edifies, that builds up. So he's not talking here about being fake. He's not talking about um, speech that is just merely polite or courteous or kind. And likewise, he's not speaking about speech that is man-centered or mm. insincere flattery. But what he is talking about, I believe, is speech that is gospel-centered, speech that is rooted in and derived from the Bible, and speech that, at a very fundamental level, leaves an individual or a group more aware of and amazed by God himself yes. than they were when the conversation started. Mm. And I think... They're the people I want to be around. Yes. They're the people we I love want to those be people. We love yeah. being with those people. Man, whenever I'm with them, I'm just so encouraged. Mm. And why are we encouraged? Well, we're encouraged because we see God. Mm. We see his perspective on things. We see where he is in our lives. We see what his word says on things. And we get deeply encouraged. I think the best example that's ever lived on that, apart from Jesus, was, was the Apostle Paul. Yes. The author of these words. And I often think about um, Corinth. You know, when Paul writes to Corinth, <laughs> Corinth is in a mess. I mean, mm. if I was running to Corinth, if I was the pastor of that church, I would naturally have a few things to share with <laughs> them. They would probably not be the words of the Apostle Paul at the start. I mean, rather than sharing their possessions, they are suing one another as a church. Rather than offering hospitality, they are gorging themselves and getting drunk. Rather than prizing Christ, they are prizing themselves and drawing attention to their spiritual gifts as if they sort of scoring themselves in some way. Rather than humbly and willingly listening to Paul, they're growing hostile to Paul. They're starting to undermine his ministry and go after him. And yet right at the start of 1 Corinthians 4, he says, I give thanks to my God always for you. (laughs) 
Always? Every time, Paul? Now, the Brit in me goes, you must be joking. That's got to be fake. Mm. But it's in God's word. And so I think we can safely say this Mm. is not fake for Paul at all. He always thinks about them. And as he thinks about them, he wants to give thanks to God for Mm. them always. But then as you study those opening opening chapter of Corinthians, you realize, you know, how is he doing that? And there's a few things. I think he's he's recognizing the call of God on their lives. Mm-hmm. He's recognizing, I always give thanks to God for you because you were chosen before the foundation of the earth. I, in effect, I know who you are. Yeah. And if God's died, if Jesus has died for you, then I'm going to be a fan. I'm going to love on you. He's also wonderfully aware of the faithfulness of God towards them. Yes. That what the Lord started in them, he's going to finish. So it fills Paul with confidence, mm-hmm. even though they're all over the place at this point. And I think it's as well, he's more aware of evidences of grace than he is areas in need of change. Now, for many years of my life, I didn't even really know what an evidence of grace is. It just sounded like a saying that I have no idea what you're on about. But an evidence of grace is simply somebody making somebody else aware of what God is doing in their life, his presence in their life, gifts that he's given them, what's going on. I think Paul was wonderfully aware of where God was presently at work. Mm. Um, one of the things that's always fascinated me about Corinthians, just on that, is spiritual gifts. You know, because they're clearly misusing them. So you think, well, I suppose what he's going to say then as a leader is just stop, stop it. it. Yeah, just stop it. No tongues, no prophecy, <laughs> no healing, six go, months. Guys. Just it's all going to go. Take a break. And he doesn't. He actually encourages them. Yeah, yeah. He actually encourages them. Yeah, he says... Um, that you're enriched in all speech and all knowledge and you're not lacking any gift, you know. And that's true. And so he finds a way to encourage them. That's right. You are not lacking any gifts. You may be using them all wrong, but you're not lacking anything. God has given you these gifts. So again, he's encouraging them. Yeah. And you're like, this is is epic. Yes. And he is just so aware of these things are evidence that the Holy Spirit is alive in your life, that God's grace is for your life. I love you. I'm for you. I always thank God for you. Now, obviously, he also helps them and corrects them and, and helps them see things are wrong. But it's done in an atmosphere of love and joy and encouragement. And so the talk that we're meant to use, Riley, I believe is that type of talk. Yeah. The talk that builds people up, that helps them see and leave a conversation. I think, I think the general rule of thumb is when somebody is interacting with a pastor, by the time that conversation is finished, they should be more aware of and amazed by God yes. than they were when the conversation started. Mm. That is the gift of leadership. Mm. And that is the, the incredible gift and opportunity that God's given us as we interact with people and use our words for the glory of God. And, and not just aware of God in general, but aware of God at work in them. Amen. And my experience yep. is that people are the last to see it when God is working in them and they're often doubting themselves. Definitely. They're thinking, oh, I'm such a terrible Christian. I'm failing as a parent. I'm failing. I have no you gifts. Know, I have nothing. And your yeah. our privilege is to come in with a divine perspective yeah. to see what the Lord sees and help them realize, apart from God's grace, you wouldn't be able to do all these things. And look at what you are doing. Yes. You believed him during that trial. You loved your kids today. You yep. you tried. <laughs> you know, as CJ says, you're you, facing the right direction. Yeah, like, right. that's God's grace to you. I think Dave, David Powerson talks about the lean. Yeah, celebrate lean. the lean. lean. They're, leaning They're leaning towards the Lord. Yes. Okay, we're celebrating. I think that's wonderful. All right, so we've looked at, like, why. Well, the Bible says so, and the Bible says our words are powerful. Mm. Um, we've looked at 
how we're meant to speak, to not have corrupting talk, or um, but only to have talk that builds up, that um, identifies grace in people's life. Uh, the last thing I actually want to ask is, I think we can imagine what the effect will be. It will give people hope and joy. Mm-hmm. And But I want to ask, how do we get our hearts in a position to actually do this? How do we actually change so that these type of words flow out of us and um, this is sort of the, the, the stream, the river that it's flowing from. Yeah. Um, how, do, how do you get yourself in a position where you can give grace to those who hear rather than put down? Yeah, that's a great question. Not, a, not an easy, obvious one to, to answer. How do you position yourself to be a giver of grace? Because in so many ways, that's what our words are. Are doing you know you think about the end of that verse uh, as fits the occasion then it may give grace to those who hear mm. i think the only way anyone can do that um is to be amazed by grace yourself and then slow slowing down enough to be bothered about other people mm. and learn to see evidences of grace in their life and then come into a conversation with that mindset that man I want to leave them encouraged whatever's going on I want to help them see Jesus in the midst of it I can think of far more times that I potentially failed in that than I've I've been successful Um, because it can be hard you know I think we we can get self-consumed we can get very bothered about sometimes what people are thinking of us we can get very bothered about all the stuff we've got to get done Mm. and fail to recognize the opportunity that this exact um moment is but i think understanding that we have been a recipient of grace ourselves and then we get to be a dispenser of grace through words that is a powerful thing i mean one of the things that's clear in the bible is that god is is always at work in the life of a believer you think about philippians 1 verse 6 it says and i am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of jesus christ it's such an amazing discovery that he's sure of it. What God has started in your life, he will He will conclude. Mm. It's a fact. But my experience has been, whether it be with other people or in myself, I think sometimes we can be so unaware of yeah. that. We can know it theologically, but not necessarily functionally and daily and hourly. And so you look at what the Lord has done in the context of the local church. He's put us together with others, brothers and sisters, where we can then use our encouraging speech to make others aware of his work in our Mm. lives. It's such a happy place. I mean, we need Jesus, but we need someone to be Jesus to us. When we're suffering and go through trials, we need Jesus, but we often need somebody to be Jesus to us. When we're struggling with past sin or present sin, we need Jesus, but we often need somebody to bring those words of encouragement. I mean, in all of life, I think that is true. We need the Lord, hands down. But we often need somebody to bring those words of grace yeah. so that we can see the Lord. I, I can think of numerous, numerous, numerous times where I've been on the receiving end of those types of encouragements. And it, it is like entertaining an angel unawares. Mm. You're just so blessed by that conversation. Um, yes, because if the Lord was there, if the Lord Jesus Christ was present he yeah. would be leaning over and saying those types of things. He would be looking to yeah. build you up and encourage you and spur you on and let you know all these truths rather than being like, oh, man, 
you, you know, just right. trying to corrupt you or bring you down. And so that's, that's, exactly that's right. our job. We get to do yeah, that. Yeah, it's exactly right. So when you think about how we're called to be ambassadors for Christ, maybe that's part of the answer to your question. Mm. Okay, so as I go into a conversation, in the right sense, what would Jesus say? Yeah. What would he want this this individual or this couple to go away with and say, we seek to be ambassadors for the Lord? Fantastic. Well, when we... Uh, informed and fueled by the reality of the gospel it actually helps change who we are Uh, before we start doing all these things and leading and preaching and organizing we've got to become types of people Uh, and one of the things that we think is so um, evident in a gospel-centered leader is there an encouragement that's who paul jesus was it's who paul was and it's i think who we want to be uh, as the people we love to be around Well, that wraps up our series, our first series, Grace and the Adventure of Leadership. We've been looking at seven characteristics of a gospel-centered leader, fruits that flow from a gospel-centered life. And we're going to be coming back next season with a a season all around how do you lead a gospel-centered church? What does it look like for grace and the reality of the gospel to fuel and form every aspect of how a church functions? So we look forward to, uh, well, we won't see you, but speaking to you. and imagine that. We, we look forward to you listening to us. <laughs> and us imagining what you might look like. Uh, uh, if you want any resources or want to contact us in the meantime, head to SovereignGrace.com uh, and click the Australia button. Uh, we're trying to plant churches, raise leaders, uh, and see faithful churches built across Australia. And we'd love for you to join us as we pioneer a new denomination here in Australia. Thanks, and see you next time.